Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Politics. It's a big old club and you're not invited. Isn't that what George Carlin once said? Something like that? He said something like that. I... Close enough for government work. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm, Ra- I'm Rob. I'm you're who? I'm, I'm Rob. You're Brad. Kloppenstein in for Casey today. Kev's here. Um, look, there there is a new article out in the Indiana Capital Chronicle, and it details uh, Brad Chambers, who is running for governor, who was the head of the IEDC, and this is why when we told you when this guy announced the, the, how laughable it was that he is trying to portray himself as some sort of political outsider simply because he had not run for public office before. Brad, you are intricately familiar with the workings of government. You are a guy who hangs out in all the circles, even though you are a libertarian. Being the head of the IEDC, which Brad Chambers was, the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, is arguably one of the three or four most powerful positions in all of state government. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They control a lot of money. A lot of a lot of money flows in and out of that agency, and they try to attract businesses to Indiana. Yeah, so essentially their job, and we have talked about this at, at length about how ridiculous this is, the state takes money from poor and middle-class people via taxes. They take that money, and then they use that money to benefit some of the largest, most powerful corporations in the entire country or world. And the head of the IEDC is essentially the puppet master who controls where those dollars go and who they benefit. Again, to come back full circle, the idea that Eli Lilly, which is one of the most powerful, not only drug manufacturers in the world, it's one of the most powerful corporations in the world. The idea that in Boone County, they couldn't put together a real estate deal without the state of Indiana being involved or that Eli Lilly isn't somehow in need of your tax money in order to keep the lights on is simply ridiculous. But that's the, the song and dance you get from the state of Indiana. And people like Brad Chambers are the maestros who make that stuff happen. I think it's a coincidence that that project's happening near Thorntown, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> where that Brad Chambers features in several of his commercials. Now, I, Rob, you might not know this. It's funny. He So his commercials say, political outsider, never run for office before, raised in Thorntown. He actually is a Lawrence Central graduate. No kidding. No kidding. And, and, and so now Brad Chambers is running for governor, and Capital Chronicle has an interesting article about money he has either received or is likely to receive from people or corporations that the IEDC did business with. And specifically, this article really kind of focuses on uh, Michael Andretti. Obviously, the Andretti name is very known in racing. And and nobody is alleging that based on the laws that are set up that anything illegal is taking place. There's no malfeasance being accused. But you've got to think about, and this is why people i think are so frustrated with government that this guy spends years using other people's money to cultivate 
big time relationships, again, taking money from poor and middle class people via taxation, then using that to benefit super wealthy people. And now he is running for governor and is going to the very people that he helped benefit in this, you know, this case of the the uh, article for Capital Chronicle. It's it's Michael Andretti and now is getting money or will be getting money for his governor's campaign from the very people he benefited by using state tax dollars. Right. I'm sure he's a very nice man. I would like to meet him sometime. Uh, We need more rich friends. Yeah, we do need more rich friends. Um, I I just, really, the only issue I take with, with him is he's portraying himself as an outsider. He is anything but an outsider. His entire team is like the Republican State Party chair, the best of the best Republican consultants that are out there, yeah. campaign management. I mean, he's an insider's insider when it comes to his team and where he's been involved. And I wish he would just come out and say, you know what? I got a lot of juice and we're going to use it to the benefit of Indiana. Suck it. Yeah. So I just want to read you um like from the Capitol Chronicle detail of this, because I think it's important sometimes, you know, people know my opinion of the Republican establishment and people go, oh, Rob, you're just, you just don't like these people. And and Capitol Chronicle does a phenomenal job when they do these straight news stories. Now, uh, we, we talked about this before. I think their opinion section is a little tilting to the left, but the straight reporting, which is why we have Nikki Kelly on all the time, is very well done with the Indiana Capital Chronicle. So here's what they say. In 2022, the IEDC committed up to $19 million in the form of conditional tax credits, as well as up to $125,000 in training grants to incentivize the Andretti company to bring its Universal Motorsports headquarters to central Indiana. At this event... Couples who give at least $10,000, for example, are invited to a private cocktail reception and receive VIP swag, food, drinks, music, and access to a fireside chat with Chambers and Andretti that are are all are offered to all of those in attendance. So, again, nobody's saying that anything illegal is happening here, but what we're saying is your tax money was used to benefit this guy now this guy is doing stuff to benefit the guy that facilitated the tax money to go to benefit him if you're running for governor john or joe smith is michael andretti going to do a fundraiser for you the answer is probably no and did you facilitate a multi-million dollar deal that benefited michael andretti the answer is probably no draw your own conclusion we have an unbalanced playing field here in which the guy who controlled the money is getting benefit because he was able to use other people's money to to help really well connected powerful people you have laid that out perfectly rob thank you brad you know i always get labeled as a you know a radical or an extremist or whatever and you're the voice of reason here so you think i did a good job and was very fair of that analysis yes no i think you were very fair that that is exactly what is happening okay very good all right let's uh let's take our attention to something national here joe biden you know him who yes the president of the united states oh wait that guy from delaware (laughs) 
familiar. Um, we love when Joe Biden gives a speech because there's many things that will happen that are, it's like, um, like when you go to a Rolling Stones concert, you're waiting for satisfaction. You just know you're going to get it, and you know you're going to hear the opening riff, which is the most famous opening riff in all of music, and you know Mick Jagger is going to strut down the stage, and he's going to move his head to the left and the right, and he's going to cluck like a chicken, and he's going to put his hands on his hips. It's part of the show, right? You're looking forward to that part of the show. With Joe Biden, there's so many different parts of the show that every single time you can look forward to, and he delivers again yesterday brad in a speech to the uh, the uaw workers um and one of our favorite things that he does brad in all of his speeches is he will be giving a calm somewhat coherent point he will pivot in the middle of the calm coherent point and he will for some random reason just start shouting at the audience at large are you ready I, I, yes because he i he goes off script and i love it all right ready take a listen I watched it before. I watched it as a kid. I watched it as a senator. I watched what happened in my community. It changed everything. Uh, Joe, what are you, what are we talking about? Oh, uh, <laughs> what, one 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 more time, Kev, if you don't mind. I watched it before. I watched it as a kid. I watched it as a senator. I watched what happened in my community. It changed everything. There's no reason for it. He saw a cloud. Like, there is a time. Old, and man, I, old man screams a cloud. Uh, there is a time, and I earn a living doing this, when there is a time to get excited. And uh, it, it's like a buildup, right? Like, yes. it's like a crescendo. It's like, you know when Rob is going to go off the rails. And there's also, Brad, away as a broadcaster, which he is broadcasting his speech to the people, in which you yell if you have a microphone near you where you don't snap the eardrums of the people in the audience, and it appears Joe Biden has not mastered either of those steps, which can make you an effective, over-exaggerated orator. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm glad he was awake. Um, All right, let's take a break, and then when we come back, we've got some more from Joe Biden. He's very mad about these polls that show him losing to Trump in the swing states, and he talked a little bit about wanting a ceasefire with Israel and Hamas. we got some Cori Bush audio that's absolutely incredible. It's all coming up next. Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Coming up later this hour, we've got an interview that Brad, I think everybody's going to totally love. Oh, I know they will. Um, so Brad, Brad has a friend, very good friend, who for years made his living as a Bill Clinton impersonator. And when I'm saying like Bill Clinton impersonator, he was in movies you might have seen as yep. Bill Clinton. He was, toured the country as Bill Clinton. He played for very powerful politicians as Bill Clinton. And I actually met this dude a couple of years ago when I drove you and your your friends to the Jimmy Buffett concert. Remember when he did? Remember how much fun that was? Oh, that was a blast! Thank for you the, for driving us. Yeah, Bob. for those who uh, weren't listening back then or forgotten. 
this must have been this was two years ago, I think, right? It was. That's right. Yeah. You were still on the mock. That's right. It was mock because we made a big deal out of this on the air because I almost started a service to do this. I had so much fun. Yeah. Like you can rent Rob Kendall to drive your automobile. And you and your friends, and then we thought, ah, there might be some safety risks, some liability stuff. Yeah, you might have to get licensed. Yeah, and then we just kind of went around and around on it, and ultimately, I would have, the job itself was so much fun, I would have loved to have done it. There were just some unanswered potential legal entanglements that we couldn't get a clear answer on, and I was like, I'm not putting that much effort into it. But I drove you and your friends to the Jimmy Buffett concert, and then hung out, tailgated with you guys, stayed in the parking lot, picked you guys up, took you guys back. This dude, because he's a lifelong friend of yours, was one of the people at the Jimmy Buffett concert, and I knew because he'd been in these movies. I was like, this guy looks really familiar. And then we started shooting the breeze, and he told me what he did. I was like, that's it, you're that guy. So coming up later this hour, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about one of the it's like one of the darkest existences imaginable to have to become Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of material in becoming Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah, but this guy's great, man. I mean, and so Damian Mason is his name. We'll talk to him later. Uh, speaking of people who have totally ridiculous existences, uh, Joe Biden, the president of the United States. Uh, last segment, we played a clip of him doing the old predictable uh, routine where he's talking normally and then just starts randomly shouting at people. And uh, he gave a speech to the UAW yesterday. Their strike was concluded. He's trying to take credit for that, et cetera. Um, but either going to or coming from the the speech, he got off the airplane, Air Force One. He was greeted by the media. Um, and and Peter Ducey was one of the people in the media there from Fox News. And there's this new poll. I don't know if you saw this, the multiple polls now, in fact. And they're by, not, not by super radical right-wing organizations. One is the New York Times, one is CNN. This showed Joe Biden losing badly to Donald Trump, both in the national poll and in the swing state polls. Have you seen this? I have seen this. And in fact, so there is now a Democrat who's running against Joe Biden. Who you know. Who I know. So turns out I've I've known him for you quite some time. His cell number still works. So I've gone back and forth. He's still putting together a campaign team, but I am trying to get him lined up for an interview for this show Great. so we can talk to him. Uh, Dean Phillips is his Dean right? Phillips is his name. See, this yep. is the thing about when Brad is the fill-in guy, it's the best because Brad knows everyone. And because you are the most likable human who's ever lived, you are friends with everyone, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians. And so Brad has a Rolodex of, uh, of people. So Joe Biden got uh, asked about this these polls by these very liberal organizations that show him losing badly to Donald Trump. And he did the old deflector rooney Brad. Take a listen. Why do you think it is that you're trailing Trump in all these swing state polls? Because you don't read the polls out from Jim. There are 10 polls. Eight of them, I'm beating him in those states. Eight of them. You guys only do two. CNN and New York Times. Check it out. Check it out. We'll get you a copy of all those other polls. You don't believe you're trailing in battleground states? No, I don't. Okay, so look, I'm by no means a Joe Biden fan, but I feel like I'm an honest broker of the news because I'm not exactly a huge Trump supporter either. Uh, I've seen zero swing state polling recently other than the polls that they're talking about. But Joe Biden claims there's 10 polls out there. Do we believe Joe Biden that there are 10 polls and he's winning in eight of them? No. (laughs) Uh, uh, I I would like somebody to go to Corinne John Pierre. (laughs) And say, um, can you name these ten polls yes. that he was re- that the president's referenced? Well, I, and I love, I love. We'll, we'll get you, we'll get you a copy of that. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get you a copy of those polls. So you, Mister News Media Man, who your job is to cover the White House, since you don't know what's going on, we're going to tell you exactly uh, which polls I'm, uh, I'm, I'm leading in. 
Do you think he actually believes that there are eight polls that show him winning in these swing states? I do think that pretty much anything that comes out of his mouth, he believes. Do you think so? With Biden, you never know because he's his whole life has been as a pathological liar. So you just never know. So you think he actually genuinely believes? Hey. Uh, this guy, this Peter Ducey, he's just out to get me, and I'm winning in eight of these polls. I think in Joe Biden reality, it is a little askew from my reality and your reality, Rob. I think that the the colors are a little bit more pastel and rosy. I, I think he does not see some of the things that I saw maybe on my way into work this morning over at Ohio and East Street. <laughs> um, Would you want to go into detail on that? Uh if you have not been through the intersection of Ohio and East Street, it is a disaster. Oh, my God. The cast of characters that were milling around now, on the sidewalks, in the streets. Wait a second, Brad. Now, of course, we were in the Washington Post article, Hammer, myself, Casey, about uh, it centers around these safety people that Hogsett hired. And we were featured in the article. The writer came, hung out with us for a day. And we got all sorts of trolls uh, on social media saying just how ridiculous we were being to talk about how unsafe downtown was and how many vagrants and homeless people and panhandlers were out and about. You're telling me they actually exist? At 7.45 a.m., there were no fewer than 40. There was trash all over the place. There's a parking 40? garage there behind the BP gas station. People lined up sleeping on the sidewalks. Other people... In shabby clothes, partially clothed, exulting who knows whom or what. It was just craziness, Now, Rob. Brad, on the social media, the trolls are the Twitter. By the way, aren't these people the best, the social media people who are invested in going? And this went on for days, going at the radio guys over pointing out, hey, there's a lot of vagrants and homeless people, and they will come up to you and engage with you if you're out just walking. Like, they were livid over the fact that we said this in the Washington Post. And you're telling what anybody with two eyes knows, they're everywhere. Yeah, I mean, they, they might move them around a little little bit but certainly today and the last few times i've come down to the studio ohio and east street is ground zero for it right now all right let's take a break when we come back Corey bush she is uh admitting that she was a part of the riots in ferguson and admitting apparently that a bunch of palestinians taught her how to do it and you got aoc saying look i've been telling you guys for years how anti-israel this party was and nobody'd listen it's coming up next brad's in for casey 93 wibc all right, so we're getting more information on this guilty plea from former state representative Sean Eberhardt. And, of course, we talked about this earlier in the program that he is he's pled guilty to federal charges. Um, and we, as we talked about last hour, the big thing was nobody knew what he did. Like, they, OK, he pled guilty to this. What did he do? And the government hadn't said anything and now it is starting to come out so this comes from tom davies i know you've got other sources uh, nikki kelly is also reporting on it now yeah saying basically the same thing so information at least is fine it was so weird that the government didn't say anything about this um because normally there's a big press conference etc but according to tom davies he is with uh, stateaffairs.com uh prosecutors say ex-representative sean eberhardt influenced 2019 gaming legislation on behalf of spectacle entertainment in return for promise a future job with quote annual compensation of at least three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So that is what we had speculated. Right. So some of charge. this in- involves 
they were trying to buy the two casinos up in Gary. That's Spectacle. Uh, Spectacle Entertainment was going to buy the two casinos up in Gary, and Sean Eberhardt was pushing to reduce the transfer fee from $100 million to $20 million. Okay, so... And again, we talked about this lengthy kind of really sketchy stuff that had taken place in the gaming industry the past 10, 10-ish years in this state. And imagine that. The gambling industry had some apparently sketchy behavior going on. But if I recall right, so there were two casinos in Gary. Correct. They wanted to move the casino off the water into like downtown Gary, right? right. So along uh, I ninety four, yeah, or I think eighty ninety four, where it is, and then they also wanted to move the second one to Terre Haute, and yeah, so and of course the Terre Haute Casino still is not finished, as far as I understand. It's this, this is it's getting close, and it, it's it, now owned by Churchill Downs. Yes, and that, that was all sorts of drama with that. So this thing has been, as many of us anticipated at the time, a complete disaster, and apparently that is what. Uh, and we'll get you more details again as they become clear. Sean Eberhardt, former state representative. Is pleading guilty to. All right, real quick, um, there is uh, numbers out for the Republican debate the other night, which I thought, Brad, we talked about this w- the other day, I thought it was the best debate easily of, of the three they've had. It so was. I, I watched half an hour of it. Yeah, and I thought they got a lot out of it. I thought it was good back and forth, but it was a pathetic number, and it was on NBC. It wasn't like cable, Fox News. It was on NBC, NBC, like network NBC. 7.5 million viewers uh, between the network, Peacock, and other streaming digital platforms, according to The Hollywood Reporter. That's down from 9.5 million on the second debate, which was on on cable, Fox News, Fox Business, and Univision. and so, I mean, just nobody cares. No. No. I mean, well, I mean, it's, yeah, Republican insiders. And the fact is, the bulk of Republicans are behind Trump. So you have to be seeking out an, a non-Trump option to even care about these debates. And you have to consider yourself somebody who's probably going to vote in a Republican primary. I mean, you're essentially looking at one, what is that, 1.3% of the country. Is that Does that come out right? I mean, if you took 7.5 million and divided by... Three, no, that's not quite right. Just a little over two percent of the country. Then I'm doing math on and on the fly. Public education uh, student here, but I mean it's it's a very in a country of 330 million people to only have 7.5 million, and you put it on network television. That is a pathetic, paltry number. Well, they were going up against the Country Music Awards, and I have a feeling that that is not a coincidence. Yeah. So the yeah, as you said, CMA. Well, though, let's see here. The CMA is also uh, narrowly, according to the Hollywood Reporter, uh, avoided post their smallest view, viewer tally ever they had uh what was that the cma averaged 6.84 million viewers about uh down 10 percent. so they no they didn't they didn't beat this they did beat the cmas the cmas okay. lost to the debate which wow. that's pathetic too uh is it just no trump no trump no care is that some of it's no trump no care absolutely and some of it's politics i'm amazed i have neighbors who pay zero attention to the news to the point where we went out to dinner and talked about matthew perry dying a week after he had died and they were shocked to find that this out amazing how can you live in a bubble like that by the way the first debate without trump 13 million viewers so it's almost they're down to not quite half but almost half bring back doug burgum which just tells you i mean these people are just not captivating the imagination all right when we come back i am so excited for this interview uh he spent much of his life impersonating bill clinton the guy made a living star of stage and screen damian mason will join us coming up next this guy's a riot you'll love it kendall and casey show 93 wibc
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Brad Kloppenstein in for Casey today. You know, Brad, you remember two years ago, you and I went on a little excursion together. You remember that? I remember it well. We hired you to uh, to drive our chariot to a Jimmy Buffett concert. And what ended up being the last Jimmy Buffett concert in central Indiana, that's, in fact. That's right. Yes, you hired me to be the driver. And you had a group of friends that I get. I gathered you had gone to various Buffett and other concert-like events over the years. We had. Thank you for remaining relatively sober. Uh, my job was to sit in the parking lot. It was actually live-streamed on the internet, so I listened as you guys went in and had a good old time. And in your group of friends, there was this dude that came with you. And from the moment I met him, I'm like, I know that guy from somewhere. I know him from somewhere. But I can't picture where. And it turns out, and only you would have a friend like this, this dude spent a big portion of his life impersonating Bill Clinton. He did. That that was his career of choice, and he did very well at it for a number of years. And then he since pivoted to be a much better um, motivational speaker. <laughs> so when we say like he was in movies as Bill Clinton, he, he has starred in a movie with Leslie Nielsen. What was what was the name of that movie? Uh, Two thousand one, a space travesty. Yes, that's right. And he went on the like speaker circuit where he was impersonating Bill Clinton. Like his life, he made his living being Bill Clinton. Now, Rob, you might not even know this. I was occasionally a Secret Service man for him. I did know that because he told me all about it. And he actually, he joins us now. So what was it like to spend your life being Bill Clinton? It sounds so dark and awful. And this guy did it very well for a long time. His name is Damian Mason. He joins us now on WIBC Hotline. Damian, when in the world did you figure out I look like and can sound like Bill Clinton? Well, thanks for having me here. First off, Rob and Brad, I was... At Purdue University, everybody in your listener base can appreciate that. It was Halloween of 1992. I was a bartender and waiter and sometimes doorman at Harry's Chocolate Shop my <laughs> ninth semester at Purdue. Threw a, little, threw a little baby powder in my hair, put on a Clinton Gore button, and uh, went into the, the, to the chocolate shop on Halloween day. Purdue was playing, I think, Michigan that day, so it meant that uh, people would have rather drank at the bar than be at the ball game. <laughs> the Boilermakers got the shlow out of them so anyway uh there we were we were uh waiting tables and uh I, people said hey you know you look a little bit like bill clinton and then i'd say yeah of course i do how'd you like how'd you like your cheeseburger and uh how'd you like to find out what it means when i say i'm a hands-on politician and i would talk like <laughs> bill clinton and everybody laughed and then all of a sudden these people are hanging out thinking gosh this is really a funny thing so that was the very first incarnation. Bill Clinton was running for the presidency and was uh, about, what, I think uh, less than a week away from being elected because that was uh, Halloween in 1992. It was less than a week before Election Day. So we kind of 
shelved it, uh, graduated, went and became uh, a corporate sales guy. And then the following Halloween, 1993, I was in San Diego in the in my corporate uh, racket. And I did up the costume a little better. I put on a little bit better of a Bill Clinton costume with hair paint and a little bit of makeup to age myself, put on a suit, and I wasn't serving cheeseburgers on Halloween night. So I went to a Halloween costume contest at a nightclub in San Diego, won 500 bucks dressed up as Bill Clinton. And and to do that, the MC at this nightclub was uh, taking the finalist of three uh, or five uh, costume uh, participants up on a stage, and I grabbed the microphone from and busted into my Bill Clinton routine. I started talking about Bill Clinton and said, how y'all doing? Thank y'all much for having me here. And then the crowd went crazy, and I won money. So uh, my company began using me at trade shows and sales meetings. As wait, wait, Bill wait. wait. They, they, so they said Damian Mason's our guest. He made his living for many, many years impersonating Bill Clinton. He's been in movies. He's done all sorts of things. So your company that you're working for sees this and goes, uh, your new job is your Bill Clinton? <laughs> yeah, maybe not quite my new job, but certainly they, they thought I was a better Bill Clinton person there than I was a lighting fixture salesman. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you start, like like you were in a movie with Leslie Nielsen, and what is it called, 2001 A Space Travesty. It's one of kind of the later Leslie Nielsen movies. It's very much in the vein of the naked gun. How do you turn this into... Hey, I'm done doing the other stuff. I'm Bill Clinton forever. And how do you end up in movies? Well, as Brad will tell you, so from uh, the company using me at sales meetings and trade shows, uh, they they uh, sent me back to Indiana uh, after I was in San Diego for a pretty good stint, and they didn't give me a promotion. It kind of uh, kind of pissed me off, to be honest. So I I said, you know what? If, if this isn't going to work out with this company, I'm going to take this I'm gonna take this little foray as uh as Bill Clinton. So I I can embellish I can embellish it here a little bit, Rob. I remember how this went. We were sitting around drinking, he's like, dang it, Clop. He's like, they didn't give me a promotion and I gave him another beer. I'm like, you know what? Screw them. You can do this full time. So for those of you who are just walking in going, what the hell have we walked into? Damian Mason is our guest. He is one of Brad's uh, very close friends, and he for many, many years made his living impersonating Bill Clinton out, out on the road as a speaker uh, in movies. And so that is the middle of the story. Damian, go. Yeah, so uh, Brad's not very far off. In fact, he's dead on. That's about exactly how it went. I kind of said, you know what, maybe I could turn this into a business. And, and you know what, and from a business standpoint, everybody has this idea that somehow lightning's going to strike and that, uh, you know, people say, did you get your big break? You know, Pamela Anderson was like a hot chick with really good uh, boobs, and they showed her on uh, a Canadian Football League jumbotron, allegedly, and then someone said, man, we got to start using that woman as a model. That does not happen for farm boys that were salesmen selling lighting fixtures who dressed up like Bill Clinton. <laughs> so what's, you know, yeah, no what's, big- what's the progression like? Well, there's no, there's no big break. Nobody says, oh, my goodness, we've got to have this guy. What happens is you quit your job and you start selling a, a comedy act. And my comedy act was seriously not that great. I looked like Bill Clinton if I dressed up and you know, put the makeup on and I could talk like Bill Clinton. And I could say funny things like, hey, uh, you know, uh, I could use a girl like you on my personal staff. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Innuendo jokes and whatever. But the thing is, you you basically sell this thing. And so I printed up business cards. I went to Kinko's in downtown, just uh, east of the circle, 
And uh, a girl there drew up a little caricature of Bill Clinton, and that was honestly my first artwork. And I had a business card that uh, that I, I started handing out. So the idea was every gig you do, if you're doing a $200 gig, you, you hand out as many cards as you can, and you try and turn it into a, the next $300 gig. And then you try and take the next $300 gig and turn it into a $500 gig. All the while, um, you know, I used to be on one of your former sister stations. I used to be on uh, WNAP. Uh, which was oh, 93.1. Yeah, That's us. <laughs> yeah, you were on us, but that was what we used to be before we WIBC. So D- Damien Mason's our guest. We're talking about his uh, previous life playing Bill Clinton. Is that scary to be a young guy who quits his job and just says, I'm going all in on being someone else? We used to, uh, I had about less than $2,000 of actual revenue lined up when I quit corporate America. So again, everybody has this idea that, oh boy, you you, know, you come along, you discover. No, what happens is you quit, you get yourself scared, and then you start paddling really, really hard upstream saying, I'm going to make this thing work. The thing is, uh, I've had so many people say like, well, yeah, you know, you can do that because you're 25. Well, People have this false idea that somehow it would be easier to do when you're 25 than when you're 35 or 45 or 55 years old. The reality is, no matter where you are in your career or life, you still got to make it work. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was I used to a was I used to a lesser standard of living? Meaning, did I drive a five year old Chevy Lumina and not have a you know uh, a, a big lifestyle? Well, sure. But the reality is, you, you make this thing go because you say I want to do this thing. Yeah. Um, did we make a lot of money in the first year? Well, absolutely not. Even in the second year, absolutely not. So what it comes down to, in my opinion, is you say, I want to try this thing, and then you sell it. And, you know, one of our other buddies told me once, he says, you know, you're probably about a B-plus comedy act, but by God, you're an A uh, at your desk making this thing work. So you've got to treat it like a business, and that's the one thing that Brad would probably vouch for. Yeah, there was a, it was about the act, and it was about the show, and absolutely the show was the product. The other thing that I would say is I, within about two years, realized I'm a product and I'm selling this product. So there's Damien Mason that's hanging out having beers with Brad, and then there's this thing that's on stage, and that's it's like selling widgets. You've got to separate yourself and say there's this product, and that's what I'm selling. And that was probably a pretty big realization. And then the third realization that maybe really made it work was realizing I work for other people's money. This is not about me. It's not about my political beliefs. It's not about, you know, uh, it's about me providing a service that is valuable to an audience. And that's a big, a big thing right there. You work for other people's money. And once you get that in your head, I'm selling a product. This is a product. I am the product. And there's, there's me, there's me, there's me, there's a product. And then also I work for other people's money. So it was really about the business. Uh, yeah, the show matters. The, the comedy matters. And that is paramount to the whole thing, making sure the show is good. But it becomes this product and service that I am selling. Real quick, I'm curious. Like, when I go see cover bands, the guys that look like the dudes, like you go see Kiss or Bruce Springsteen or Beatles, and, like, they become not just the – it's not the music. It's they look like the people. And I wonder, like, do you lose a sense of yourself? So when you were – your job was to be another human being, did, was it, did you ever lose any sense of yourself or was that hard? How did you put up – barriers on that 
Yeah, you st- you stay in character for the show, and then when the show's over, it's over. You know, people used to say things like, "Oh, you know what we should do uh, after the show? Let's go downtown, and we're gonna take you around as Bill Clinton." I'm like, "Well, are you paying me?" <laughs> well, no. Well, this be fun. I said, "Well, it sure as hell gonna be fun for me." No, <laughs> Rob, off air, I'll tell you the story about the fundraiser we did for John Boehner. <laughs> So, Damien, in the last couple minutes we have, so 2001 rolls around, 9-11 happens, Clinton's out of office. How did you, I mean, that was kind of a a low point in the Bill Clinton Act. You are now one of the preeminent speakers, especially in the ag industry. How did you pivot to go from being Bill Clinton to being Damien Mason? Yeah, that was, by the way, the hardest thing was taking off the mask. So to Rob's prior point, uh, when you become very good at acting like this other person, you know, let's say his reference to somebody that's, uh, you know, in playing Beatlemania and they're the best Paul McCartney, you know, lead singer of a pretend Beatles band. They get real good at doing that, and then it becomes very comfortable to be the pretend Paul McCartney, what out you. I was that guy where I was really good at being Bill Clinton. So then it's like, okay, this thing's over. Clinton's out of office. Also, let's face it, here we are in 2023. Political comedy just doesn't play anymore. So you go through a few-year pretty hard adjustment of saying it's time to take the mask off. It's, you know, uh, let's get let's get comfortable with being me. And so, and you know this, Brad, but it was. It was a challenge. Uh, you know, I went back and did speeches at Rotary events and went to Second City in Chicago and took acting and improvisational classes for six months and learned how to be not Bill Clinton on a stage. And it was almost like unlearning. And how do you get comfortable being the person without the makeup? And it was a few year adjustment. Then I fell back into this idea that I'm like, you know what? I'm still funny. I'm funny, and I don't have to act like Bill Clinton to be funny because I I, I am uh, comedically talented. And then I also have this degree in agricultural economics, and I have a corporate background. I can talk about business, and I can talk about entrepreneurialism, and I can talk about agriculture. And next thing you know, uh, that became the path. It was it was a journey. So yeah, where we moved that from, and I've never forgotten any of the lessons, you know, Steve Martin says in his book, uh, born standing up, I think is the title of the book that he walked off the set on the Johnny Carson and Johnny Carson pulled him over during a commercial break and said, son, you're going to use everything you've ever learned to be successful in this business. And I think about that all the time. Trust me. And when Brad was there as a pretend secret service guy for $500 gigs in 1995, and I think about this when I'm on stage now in front of a major agricultural corporation talking to their national sales meeting that, I, I remember the tools and the lessons that came from being that $500 comedy act. So, yeah, that's that's a big adjustment, but you definitely don't ever forget anything you've ever learned because you can use it in your next career. So, yeah, now I'm an ag guy talking about commentary and issues impacting the future of the, the food production to ag audiences. But I'm also funny, and I fall back on a lot of the lessons learned from that. I love it. Damien, this has been so awesome, man, because it was such a blast to hang out with you. And like I said, I recognize you from the movies, and it was so cool to, to get to hang out with you. So, man, thanks for um, spending a few minutes with us today and telling us about life as being Bill Clinton. That's awesome. Thanks for having me on, Rob and Brad. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show.